Hit the button. Hit the button. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm your host, Preston M. Smith. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Living Artist Podcast. I'm Preston M. Smith, at PMS Artwork Everywhere on internet land and socials. I want to thank you for landing on this podcast. Whether you're a professional artist, just getting started in the art world, a collector of art, or just consider yourself a creative person, this podcast has something for you. I like to think of it as a fun way to rant and talk to other creative people about living the life of an artist, surviving and getting ahead in the art world, and enjoying your life. But most importantly, not waiting until you're dead to make it happen. All right, let's get started. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. All right, we are recording. And you just signed your life away. So <laughs> now I can, I can, uh, I can bring this up in court. Um, Excellent. I hope I do something worthy of, of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think we can get that out of you. Yeah, so we're, okay, well... We are here. It took us a little while. We tried many different sources. This is the first time we are trying a mobile uh, or a long distance um, interview because of certain factors like the coronavirus. You might have heard of it. COVID-19. <laughs> we are, we're all being uh, forced to quarantine in our places. And we actually had a meeting set up today. You were supposed to come up here today, right? Uh-huh. I was supposed to brave the 101 and, and come yeah. see you. That's right. That's right. And you're going to be sitting right across from me on this couch that I'm looking at, but instead we're having to do it uh, remotely. I'm just glad to have you here. This is Thank Kim, you. Kim Swank. I was trying to come up with some nicknames for you the other night when I was delirious and, and they were all horrible. Um, <laughs> have you heard, heard K-Swiss? I have not been called K-Swiss. That's something I have not been called before. Oh, That's what a new about, one. Yeah. What about Special K? I've been called Special K before. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, I have been. I like that one. That one's a good one. Special K. Yeah, that was my favorite. But I was like, she's probably, somebody's probably been clever enough to come up with that. But you know what? I'm just going to refrain from from giving you any nicknames. We'll just, we'll, <laughs> just, we'll just go with Kim. That works too. So you're doing your taxes today. I'm doing my taxes today. Yes, I am taking awesome. the time in quarantine to try and get that out of the way as quickly as possible. <laughs> right? Hey, it, it's got to be good for something. There's a there's a silver lining, I guess. Right? Absolutely. I have the time and nothing else uh, to do, so I'm going to do my taxes. Oh my god, me too. It's been so crazy. I mean, I've had things to do, but it's. I think this is the first time that I actually haven't been out of my studio slash home for a week straight. I'm, I'm getting cabin fever. Uh, no, you know what? I have to say, I love this. I, oh. I, I, I certainly do not wish ill upon anybody and for people who are struggling and people who are legitimately suffering job loss. Of course. Um, but for me personally, 
That's this not what you said it, before we recorded. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sorry, go ahead. In my official stance, I uh, no, um, <laughs> I I, I freaking love this. I, it's like an artist retreat for me because oh, I, nice. I, I just finished a really long, um, I work in the film industry. I'm a camera assistant and I just finished a really long shoot and on shoots, you know, on set, you're surrounded by hundreds of people. You've got a walkie talkie with six people screaming in your ear. Oh man. Um, I haven't had any time to make art. And so I have a show coming up in July and I was looking forward to getting in my studio. And oh, now, yes. Now I have no distraction. There's nobody calling me for lunch. There's nobody calling me to go hang out and have a beer. You know, things that I would indulge in and would right. distract me no from distra- what was going on. Exactly. Now you can't procrastinate. <laughs> I can't. And, so <laughs> and you don't have the work distraction. Totally. It's fantastic. So I hate, I, I, I don't like to, to wish ill on people, but I love this actually. It's oh, that, really yeah. Cool. No, that's awesome. Um, if, for me, it's funny because, you know, oh, depending Preston, on- Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. There. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. We knew we were going to maybe have some technical difficulties. My internet connection is unstable again. And it, it said that my mind is unstable. Is that, that's kind of, unfair. you know, that, you know, I, that's a little judgy from your internet connection. <laughs> I, I feel like, yeah, you know, I, maybe I, it should relax. I know, seriously. Um, I might just be projecting. But yeah, for, for some people, it's weird. I mean, that, that's awesome. For me, it's, it's interesting because, some artists who are who tend to kind of isolate already, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's that's me. I, I kind of mm-hmm. thrive on isolation and you know getting stuff done, but I do need some interaction, which is which is which is good. Why we're oh hello, there there you are there you are you're back. Okay, so from my end, I can hear you. I, I'm I'm hoping it's just continuing to record so okay but, so I won't, um, cur- I won't curse and say dirty things yeah yeah Mother, okay. no you can definitely curse <laughs> <laughs> you can def- we are that type of podcast yeah so, but yeah for the people who are already isolating all the time it's like now you don't have that ability to to get out yeah at any point almost it seems like it's kind of uh it's unnerving but i'm also a person who likes to isolate so we're uh we're, we're rolling with it yeah, yeah, I can see a lot of my friends are going stir crazy. Like I, I've gotten oh, I'm sure a ton of calls for hey, let's video chat, let's let's you know Skype, and of course because I'm a luddite and I can't figure out any of that. <laughs> I'm like, uh, can you just call me? <laughs> I think your words were old cave dwelling woman. Completely an old cave dwelling woman. <laughs> I am in, like it's it's pretty shocking how illiterate I am. Oh my god, uh, that's with, hilarious the way technology is these days, but, um, yeah, no, people are, people are definitely struggling with it. <laughs> Stay strong in my <laughs> stubborn, uh, disabling ways. Cause it's kind of disabling truthfully now, but it's funny. I was like, okay, we'll just hop on your computer. You're like, I don't have a computer. I, I don't like, have a computer. <laughs> that's first of all, that's awesome. I mean, obviously <laughs> you're, 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 you're talking to me right now. So you, you are connected to the internet. I but, am, um, yes, yes. So that's That good. web thing. Yeah. yeah that, the, the web thing in the sky. But yeah, um, yeah but I, I kind of envy that actually. It's nice. I mean, I think everybody is so overly connected. Although, you know, it's weird in these times, it's kind of a blessing to be able to have all this technology where we can actually communicate. Because I was thinking, had, it's we fantastic. Not, had we not invented the internet, for example, we we would all be going crazy right now. 
Oh, it, there would be riots and murders and just complete mayhem. Yeah, absolutely. Right. But we can stay connected. We can talk to people. We can be, keep up on the news. Definitely keep up on our shopping. Um, yes, and, that's <laughs> right. Know, it's it's amazing what we can do with it. So that it's making it um, much more bearable for a lot of people. Yeah, it is for sure. They can kind of filter all that anger. You said people would be killing people. Instead, they can just you Absolutely. Know, throw that all into uh, some mean comments on the web or something. <laughs> trolling. They're just trolling, <laughs> trolling now. Exactly. Instead of rioting, they're just going to troll. Overt trolling. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, speaking of connecting, uh, my wife was driving to work uh, the other morning. I think it was Thursday morning at about 6 a.m. And she she was using the the voice control on, on, on Siri to text me. So it said, Kim Swank is on Olympia right now. And I was like, on what? Olympia. I was like, what? <laughs> Olympia. But I, I, I speak Magdalena. So I was like, I think she's saying she's live or something. So <laughs> I went on Instagram and you weren't live. And then I found out later you were on NPR. Yeah. 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 Look at um, you. You're getting around. Hey, you know, trying to spread the word. Um, I was interviewed by NPR regarding how this shutdown um, is affecting people in the entertainment industry because. Oh, yeah. A lot of us have uh, kind of a unique situation. Um, we don't fall into any of the categories where you can traditionally apply for benefits um, right. or government aid. And so because we either don't work enough or we work too much in a particular time period, um, our work is relatively short term. And, you know, it can look like we earn a lot of money, but, you know, we may earn a lot of money for three months and then nothing else for the rest of the year. Right, so, exactly. It makes it really hard for a lot of people. And also, I don't know if SAG is this way. I don't think SAG is. I'm a member of SAG too. Um, but IATSE, the way you get healthcare is you have to work a certain amount of hours in a designated time frame. And right. a lot of people are not going to qualify for those hours. So they stand at risk for losing their healthcare. So it was an attempt to bring attention to entertainment workers so that uh, with all the legislation that is uh, happening with these uh, aid packages going through uh, Congress, that entertainment workers be included in that, hopefully. I mean, I, who knows if it happened, but right. if, they, if there who would be a special that's thing. Even in, for, there, for in the but, political consciousness. Correct, correct. Um, but just to bring awareness to that. I know a lot of artists are in a, a much more dire circumstance, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. Because oh, um, yeah. I know a lot of people don't have health care. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's, that's terrifying So oh, for scary. a lot of people. And also, how do, you, how do you prove to the government? Like, for example, if you needed to prove that you had a job and you're like a freelancer or you're an artist. Like, for example, I'm, I have my business. I'm like a sole proprietor. But how do I prove to them my level of income? So they, if they were to bail us out a bit, how, how would we know, how would they go, oh, okay, this person makes, you know, X amount of money oh, yeah. a month. And, and so therefore we will give him X amount of money. But if I can't prove that, yeah. or if they just go, oh, well, art, art doesn't apply, <laughs> for example. Yeah, you know, which they easily screwed. could do, which they yeah. easily could do because it's too hard. It's too hard to classify. So they just, uh, you know, don't think it matters. <laughs> yeah. And if, yeah, if you don't believe us, just see doing your taxes as you're doing today. It's, exactly. It's so hard. It's so hard to, I don't know, for, for, if you're like buying a home, for example, it's so difficult for you to be able to show a steady income yeah. as, as an actor, as an artist, as anything. So it, I'm, I'm assuming it's got to be relatively similar right now, but I'm hoping that they're going to keep everybody in mind. Hopefully. 
hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Well. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> you, sound, you sound very confident. I'm so not confident. I'm so <laughs> cynical. I'm so, I, when it comes to the government, unfortunately, I'm sadly cynical, but uh, I, I, I wish I wish I weren't that way. But I know um, we're going to have a, a, a sub podcast, a political podcast, and then I'll, I'll, I'll have you back on for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have a lot <laughs> to say on that. <laughs> okay, okay, good. So, yeah, well, that was going to ask you how it's been affecting you. So it sounds like it's kind of having both a positive and negative effect, positive from a creative standpoint, mm-hmm. negative from a potential uh, monetary standpoint. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, so, you know, there's, uh, yeah, definitely I'm going to miss a lot of work in the next couple of months. And that's nerve wracking. I, again, because I also work in the film industry, I'm lucky because I can claim unemployment. And so that gives me something, but unemployment doesn't cover most rents. I mean, <laughs> so right. it's, it's like I can eat, but you know. Well, because it's only a I, fraction of your, your pay, right? Yeah, it's not even close to it. It's probably a third of what I would get oh, uh, wow. in a month working. Um, so it's, it helps. I don't want to disparage it because I'm lucky to, a lot of people don't even have that and I'm lucky to have that. But, right, or a lot um, of people are losing their jobs too. Yeah. A, a girlfriend of mine is losing her job. She works at, at a nursery oh. and I guess they consider nurseries essential services. And she's angry. She's like, I don't want to go into work because nobody's paying any attention to social distancing. You know, there, there's unsafe practices going on at her work. It's like people aren't paying attention. And she's like, I told them I'm not coming in and I'm probably going to lose my job, which means oh, I won't have health care. So yeah, she, I had this conversation with her this morning. Um, so it's having a very real impact on, again, I'm in a privileged position. My job was almost over. The, the film that I was working on was, uh, the, the TV show that I was working on was almost over, was finished with their season shooting. Um, so I had savings. And I had kind of planned on on focusing on my artwork for a few months, but other people are, it's just devastating for them. So, oh, so the timing really wasn't horrible for you? For me, no, it was not horrible. Um, well, that's good. Yeah, it was best case scenario for me. Um, yeah, it, it's funny I think about, because I used to, I, I'm sure people are probably tired of hearing this, but I I, uh, I used to wait tables for many years and mm-hmm. I know a oh, lot God. of times, oh my God, oh. yeah. I yeah. just thinking about the, sir, the poor service sector, oh, like, they're, that they're breaks killed. my heart. They're getting killed. It breaks my heart. Well, because first of all, you hear different um, uh, percentages, but they always say like 10% of restaurants fail already, right? Yeah. And just, then you throw yeah. this into the mix. I mean, sorry, 10, did I say fail? 10% of restaurants survive. Uh, yeah. I think that's what I meant to say. And so just imagine right now, and then as a server, I can speak to that because we didn't live paycheck to paycheck. We lived shift to shift. Like if Literally, you missed, yeah. Yeah, if you missed a shift, like yeah. you might not be able to get groceries. And then- what you know, these people who are going in and hoarding food and stocking up on a, on a month's worth of food that's great, but what about the people who can't afford to get uh, you know a week's worth of food, let alone yeah. a month? You know, yeah, so yeah, I, I'm sorry this is turning into like a coronavirus episode, but it's, <laughs> but it's, it's what's going on right it's now, what's no, happening. No, it's what's, it's what's happening, happening right now, yeah, so. for sure. No, but I think it's important also. Uh, I kind of want to be current and I want people to know that they're, they're not alone, and other artists to know that they're not, they're not alone in their, in their struggle. So yeah. it's, I think it's kind of cathartic to talk about this. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's good that you're, oh man, I'm, I'm excited that you're going to be able to, to paint more. That's great. I'm so excited. And it, for me personally, it's great because I, I did a radical, I don't know if you know this because you might not have known my work before Shockbox um, or I, I did a radical style 
shift. And I don't know if we've talked about this Ooh, either. I've so, done this too, so I'm excited. Yeah, yeah. It was about, it was a couple of years ago and I did this, this dramatic style shift. And so I've been working and working and, and the past couple of years, because I've been doing um, this TV show, I haven't had a, as much time as I would like to devote to really developing this new way of working. And so I've been struggling and I get frustrated and I'm angry and I don't like the work and all of right. these negative things that we go through at different times. Um, and I just keep trying to tell myself while I'm not in the studio, I might just be patient. You just haven't had time to get in there and really stick it out and work it out, which we have to do a lot of times. I think sometimes when yeah. things aren't working before we abandon them, we need to dig in and really be fair to ourselves and make sure we've had the time to develop it. And so oh that's God. what I'm, yeah, that's what I'm excited for is giving myself this time to try and really develop and see where this path takes me without any kind of pressure, without any kind of expectation and just, you know, without being interrupted for a job here and there, you know, it's going to be great. Right. So that's, that's, such a good, that's such a good point too, because even, even for me, I mean, I'm, I have the, uh, the possibility to just kind of sit and stare at my pieces every day, but <laughs> But, you know, and then rework them. But, you know, even within it, one painting shift, it's so easy. We're all so self-critical. You can be like, you know what? This is not working. I, I'm, yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm just going to, I'm going to paint over this or I'm going to start again. Every single time I do that now, I, I, I force myself to step back and just continue. And I don't know how many times I've ended up painting like the, my, one of my favorite paintings because I just yeah. worked through that process. It, it's kind of a, a working yeah. through process. So it's cool to hear you talk about that too. Yeah, it's, it's, it, you know, it's, I, I really feel like the, the direction, I, I have faith in the direction I'm going if I don't necessarily have faith in what I'm making right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you have, a, you have faith in the, in the end, end goal. I have, I have faith in the fact that I, that I can take this somewhere interesting and satisfying, um, even though it's, it, it's a bit of a struggle right now. We'll right. see what happens. Well, maybe um, some great stuff's going to come out of that. Yeah, hopefully, and or maybe some crap, but you know, hey. <laughs> either way, either yeah. way, it'll something will come of it. So that that will be good. Either way, I'll learn something. So that's. So do you have? Sorry to interrupt. Do you do you no. have? Um, do you have? Okay, so first of all, Kim has got a, a show coming up at Shockbox Gallery in Hermosa Beach in July. Yeah, tentatively in July. Assuming we're all not all dead by then. Uh, assuming the we're not all open. dead. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just going to get ready. Like I'm going to plan like the biggest, it's, it's the week of my birthday as well as hopefully oh, nice. a time that we're all safe and we can go out again in the summer. And it's going to be a party. Like It's oh, going to be yeah. a celebration. It's going to be a total cel celebration show. I hope <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. No, yeah. that'd be so nice to be, to be able to put all this behind us and yeah. celebrate, you know, your, your show and obviously <laughs> your, your birth. Um, yeah, <laughs> the birth is not as important as the show. <laughs> sure, it is. Come on, come on. Uh, what was it? Come on, K Swiss. K Swiss. Right. I told I told <laughs> myself I was one. not going to do it, but I'm. I did. So, so do you have any pieces ready for the show, or are you kind oh, of pressing. creating all new? Sorry, you, you dropped out one more time. Oh, oh yeah, no problem. So, do you have any pieces already created for the show, or are you just going to do all new work? Um, I'm going to just work. I have pieces already created that I could include. I, I want to see kind of what I come up with, uh, during this time. I have an idea for some specific new pieces that I want to create, but then I just kind of want to just keep exploring and see what I come up with. And 
if the pieces that I already have work with the direction of the other pieces, then great, I'll use them. Um, if not, then hopefully I'll have new work that that I can show. So it's exciting. But I have I have awesome. some, the, the the work that I've already created uh, is work that has not been shown yet. So either way, okay. it'll be new. Yeah, either way, it'll be new. it'll be new to the public eye. Yeah, that's awesome. And and I'm excited because who knows what's going to come out of this whole. <laughs> process like whatever is going to be kind of percolating or or marinating in there through this whole scenario it's going to be exciting to see that come out on on canvas or wherever you're putting it thank you (laughs) i saw you know it's funny obviously i've I've seen your work um in -hmm. other shows too but i think it was powerhouse um powerhouse was a show that was done at at shockbox gallery it was like it was an all-woman show Mm -hmm. like Mike Mike Collins, the gallery owner, put together a show of of some of the best kind of LA working uh, female artists, and you were one of them. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a great show, and I believe it was that piece, that was the piece that you also put into the back box later, right? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, large that, piece. The, yeah. Oh man, when I saw that piece, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it as I was walking up to the gallery. Like I saw it through from the street. Oh, thank Ooh. you. Yeah, because you know sometimes you you see thank you. you're bombarded with images and. And paintings all the time as artists, but sometimes you see a piece and you're like, "Am I in a museum right now? What <laughs> what's going on?" No, oh I, man, Thank I you. love I love that piece. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what you what you come up, up with for the show. So how did you how did you meet Mike Collins? Uh, Mike Collins is just everywhere, all times. Everywhere. I, like he just, it, you know, he is Mike Collins. I mean, how do you not? <laughs> how do you not know Mike Collins? Right. Oh my god. I, it's weird because there's like pre Mike Collins and post Mike Collins. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Um, he uh, so uh, I met Mike Collins. He came through. Um, I actually wasn't there. I did a startup fair. I did okay. startup fair, I think, three years ago, two or three years ago. Okay. And Mike and Mike and Laura came through our room. I wasn't actually I actually wasn't there that day. Um, but my roommate was there and she said she she met with them. But this was after that was actually after I had a solo show um at another gallery that I'm affiliated with. And he I announced that on Los Angeles Art Association. And he reached out to me after that and was like, Hey, I've I've got this gallery in Hermosa. Um, I think your work would be a good fit. And, you know, and I, I responded, I looked at one of the, the, the calls that he had and I didn't think my work was right for that. So I just waited until, um, there was a call that I, and it was, um, the Patty Astor, the, uh, fun show. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, my, this is, my work is definitely a, a and I, so I submitted to that and then oh, that's awesome. how I kind of started, um, started hanging out with Mike and the crew in Hermosa. It's cool. Yeah. It's, it's becoming... Uh, it's becoming a crew and 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 a movement. It seems like what's going on with Shockbox is, is seeing all the, everything like spread out. I'm, I'm excited for the uh, potential of of that gallery. Um, I, you know, I'm excited to be involved in a supportive community because I, I right. you know I feel like particularly with Shockbox, there is kind of a a vibe of experimentation and kind of a vibe of Definitely. it's it's not so much that that pressure to sell. That pressure to produce and to sell and to—I don't want to use the word "make product," but um, you know, I've, I've definitely felt that in other places that I've been involved with. And like you mean, they're, you're afraid they're they're going to drop you if you don't sell. Yeah. Oh, right. I mean, 
the other the other main gallery that I, I am with is not like that either. Um, they're actually it's oh, it's a good. similar it's a similar vibe. But I have been you know where I'm making. Can you work. can you name this gallery or is it? Oh yeah, Wall Space. Oh, yeah, I'm Wall Space, Wall Space okay. LA. Yeah, no, there. Nice. I've been with Wall Space for a long time, and um, it's a similar vibe. It's it's a community of artists. We help each other. Um, you know, we know each other. We get ideas, inspiration from each other. Uh, people send me notices for work or for calls that my work might fit. Um, so, you know, and I trust the, like, there's a, there has to be an element of trust with the person that's representing you. Yeah. And I feel that both with, it's interesting, like with both with Mike and with, uh, Valda Lake, she's the uh, one who runs wall space. They, their heart that like just everything about the way they, they run their gallery fits with my ethos. Um, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. As far as putting the artist above kind of, I don't want to say putting the artist above the profit, but kind of like that, like developing artists, helping artists, supporting artists and, and being there for artists. Like Um, like relationship first. Absolutely. Relationship first. Yeah, absolutely. Relationship and the well being of the artist. Yeah. Yeah. That's Uh, no, that's rare Uh, for, for anybody young who's like trying to get, to get ahead in the art world. That's, that's um that's not the norm. So no, that, it's absolutely cool not here. the norm. <laughs> right. It's absolutely yeah, I can never I cannot ever imagine Mike saying, um, could you paint this in this dimensions for this because it'll look great on couches. Right. You know? can, like, can you put a little more yellow in this one to match? Yeah, would, no, Mike would say green. <laughs> Mike would say put a little green <laughs> right, in that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. That's so funny. Um, it just reminds me of Basquiat, the, the movie Basquiat. He's got some people coming in and getting a sneak peek before he paints the show, and they're like, "Oh, th- no, this is so. This is kind of institutional. Can can you put a little more blue in this?" He's like, "I I can I can make it a nice shit brown for you if you want." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But um, that yeah, was a no, great that, movie. That oh, was I love great. that movie. I love that, that movie. Was great. Before I was re- like when I was really struggling, there were two movies that that kind of got me through. Is and it was it was kind of because. The, the two characters in it who were based on real people, Pollock and mm-hmm. played by Ed Harris and then Basquiat, mm-hmm. Jeffrey, uh, Jeffrey Wright. Um, mm-hmm. It was like, man, you could, you could see their, their struggle and the torment that they were going through. And then to see the success story, both unfortunately ended tragically, but um, yes, but yeah, but I always, oh man, it, it, it got me through some, some dark times. Uh, that, that's always cool to have. But um, I wanted to ask you, Seeing as we talked about Mike a little bit, we talked about mm-hmm. kind of, oh, you know what? I don't think you talked about the transition you made, though, with your work. So what were you doing before you kind of developed this new oh. style? Yeah, so I was I was working in oil, first of all, and now I'm working in kind of mixed media. I bounce between acrylic, flashy, spray paint. Um, but I was working in oil, and I had kind of... Uh, developed this very uh, kind of graphic style. It was based on, I was using squares. I was doing abstractions with squares. So, so it, kind of like geometrical. Yeah, very, yeah. very geometrical. Um, and that work did well. It was really well received. It sold really well. Um, some of my pieces from that time period, and I've been working that way for 12 years or so. Um, I, I'd kind of developed it into a very, um, controllable thing it was a very you know controllable predictable you know i could do commissions in a certain way you know i in a 
I knew what the outcome of each piece was. If Basically that makes what sense. what they tell you to do is like, if you're approaching a, a gallery or a dealer or somebody wants to sell your work, just continue to rinse and repeat the same style. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which and is I was, hor- which is horrible for artists. <laughs> it's horrible for artists. And so I, but I was getting, I got into, I got into a lot of good shows. I got into, um, one of the things that propelled my sales a lot at, during that time was one of my pieces, two of my pieces were on Mad Men. Oh, um, oh man, I love Mad Men. Yeah. So that, that I, I didn't even know what the show was at the now time. Now I want to go I back and, and, and find them because, because <laughs> that show had really good art. It had really good art. And so um, it was towards the end of it, I think it was season five, when uh, Don Draper got a new apartment with his oh my I guess, God. second wife. Anyways, so I, I, I think I know the exact piece you're talking about. That's crazy. Was, yeah. So it was that, um, and that was a completely lucky coincidence. That was, I had pieces getting ready for a show and in a framers and the art director walked by and saw the pieces in the framers and went in and bought them for the show. Oh, so, that's so cool. Oh, but this oh, is- so they, did, this, so they didn't rent them. They bought them. No, they bought them outright for the show. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Because for a lot of people who don't know, there's a lot of companies in LA who actually will rent art they kind of just like store it and they rent it to TV shows and movies. So, um, and that's, that's great too. It can be a steady source of income. But, Absolutely. But to just, but it also gets, they get damaged a lot too. They do get damaged sometimes. So just, um, you kind of want it to be bought. So that's really cool that they did that. Yeah. Um, so that was lucky. And so I, I'm, I still have ambivalent feelings about everything, but I, about kind of my decision to change my style because but I was just feeling really stifled. I was feeling stifled. I wanted to try and work with more pure abstraction and kind of do something more contemporary. The, my style fit very much into kind of this uh, modernism, mm-hmm. um, the, the appearance of modernism. And, you know, I, I, I never, I may go back to it because I really do love working in oil. Yeah. Um, but I wanted something more immediate. I wanted a more immediate medium. Yes. And I wanted to, I'm self-taught, so I wanted to figure it out, (laughs) figure out the new medium. And so I made this very abrupt switch and it hasn't been received as well as my other (laughs) work was. Oh, really? No, it hasn't. That's so annoying. It's, well, it's, it's also a good lesson because I'm comparing the way my work now is selling with the way my work was selling after 12 years of developing it. Right. So if so I you would, might just it, need a little more time. I, that's why I'm, I'm, I'm like, this is a, all a good lesson in patience and, and focusing on, oh, okay, do I really enjoy the way I'm making work right now? Am I enjoying this? Is it feeding me? Is it, is it exciting for me even with the struggles? And if the answer is still yes, then I'm going to continue making work this way. Right. Um, you know, I, I get oils out and I play with it every once in a while, but it's a very distinct style, uh, what I was doing before. So it's not any, it's not an easy blend of the two. Right. Um, so I, you know, cause I've thought about, is there a way to blend the two, but there the really isn't in my, in my opinion. So. Well, and that's something that I think, first of all, a lot of people who don't do art for a living or, or haven't had a, a long run in the art world, like you've had, it's easy for them to say, Oh my God, you, you know, you sold out or whatever, or, or if you try to, if you try to think about the end result of this selling, then you're selling out, which mm-hmm. is just a bunch of BS. I mean, obviously you don't oh, yeah. want to just be painting like, you know, whatever dog pictures with top hats. If you, if you, <laughs> I mean, no it, offense I, to anybody who, who paints dog pictures with top hats. I, That's know, great. I know precisely what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, 
as long as you're kind of feeding your own need, you know, you're not, you're not putting yourself in a box and you're, you're creating something that you want to create and it sells. Well, that's great. That's, that's kind of the end goal. That's what we all want to be doing, right? Is, is selling mm-hmm. our work and mm-hmm. making a living as artists. So um, I completely understand. I, I, you're talking to somebody who did pop surrealism for 12 years. Uh, all I did was figure to work. Oh, wow. And then all oh, of a wow. sudden, yeah, yeah. So like, if you look at my old stuff, I've got like hundreds of paintings that are just dark pop surrealist pieces. Really? Oh, yeah. That's all I did. I, I know I did. See, I know I did. I, I so strongly think of, of the work that you're making now and that, wow. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I was an abstract artist at heart because the backgrounds yeah. of some of my pieces were very abstract and I was kind of always like, oh, you know, I want to go in that direction. And then one day I just made the break and luckily people like received it fairly well. But uh-huh. some people, some people were like, well, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You paint, oh, yeah, you yeah, paint yeah. figurative stuff. And I'm like, well... No, I, I paint what I want to paint. I paint what feeds me, like what you're saying. I think that's it's brave and it's really cool that you trusted your your gut and went that direction. Yeah, it's um it's nerve wracking a little bit. You know, I, a collector who had collected a lot of my earlier work recently and still follows me saw something and was asking about something. Of course, it was an older piece, uh, and there's still that tinge of like, oh, maybe <sighs> I'm, you know maybe I'm doing the wrong thing. It's, you know, but that's about, I don't want to say it's not about creativity because it still is about creativity, but I was really burnt out at making the work that way. And I wanted to develop myself more. So I I try and focus on that instead of the money. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, and, and isn't that, isn't that what artists are supposed to do? They're supposed to evolve. Uh, Yeah. But it's funny how so many people don't want you to though. It's, it's, or it's not that so many people don't want you to, but how I think, especially now with Instagram um, mm-hmm. and with all the social media people, I, I feel like we're pigeonholed even more um, oh, because we have all these platforms now to get our work out there, which is fantastic. But I also feel like it becomes easier to pigeonhole artists and, and, people want to know, are you this kind of artist? Are you this kind of artist? Are you this kind of artist? You mean like from like a branding standpoint? Yeah, precisely. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah, I I completely, I I feel that like, it's, it's interesting though. The one thing I will say to counter that, I completely agree with you. But the one thing I will say to counter that is that people have such a short attention span. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I know. I know. Maybe, maybe not like legitimate collectors who've been following you for a while. Maybe that'd be kind of abrupt, but for people who like, I know people who follow my work, and, and or like on Instagram every day and I'll post something that I, I created like three years ago and they're like, Oh, this is new. This is great. And uh-huh. like, this is from three years ago, but thank you. I'm glad you yeah. like it. You know, it just feels like people aren't really paying attention as much because we're, we're bombarded by so much art nowadays. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I, I don't know, maybe it's somewhere in between, but I, I, I regardless, I think what you're doing is awesome. Like I, Thanks, I don't know Bruce. if I've thank seen, you. I don't know if I've seen your old stuff. Um, it's on my website and, um, okay, we're going to put a link to that, by the way. Yeah. It's on my website under, um, archive. Um, so it's in the archive catalog that I have there. So I have all the old city structures and, and, uh, structure pieces. And so, yeah, it's all there. Oh, cool. See, but this is what I mean. Like you and I, we follow each other's work and we both didn't know anything about I had our, no idea. our older yeah. stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I had no like, idea. That's what you did. I'm like, really? I want to check that out. Yeah, <laughs> we, got, we got to check it out now. It's funny because like we, I think we're just all, we're all just focused on, on the current stuff and the, and the present, which is good. I dig that. But um, it has its limitations too sometimes. 
It does. It does. But it, and you are right. It does serve a purpose. I think, um, in our instant culture, it does definitely serve a purpose. Instant culture. That's the new app coming out from Kim Swank. (laughs) So I wanted to talk to you. I think if you've heard this before, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about your origin story, but I'm getting paranoid that this, my wife said that these zoom calls you can only do for, Oh, maybe I shouldn't mention who this is, but anyway, (laughs) Hey, sponsorship. No, um, that they only go for 40 minutes. So I want to stop this, make sure we're all good. And then can I hit you back up for the last part of the interview? Oh yeah, totally. Awesome. Okay. So I'm going to stop recording right now. We're all good. Okay. I think we are, we're back. We're back. Oh, I wanted to ask you one thing about the, the solo show. Uh huh. Maybe maybe more later, but, um, do you have a name for it? Not yet. I have a a couple of ideas I'm tossing around, but I don't know yet. Uh, Nice. What what I want to call it. So we'll see. <laughs> it might it might be evolving, right? Depending on what's going on in the world. And what what's going on in the world? What's going on in my studio? You know, right. I, I tend to name it after like the times I've had solo shows before. I've named it after I made the work. Oh, nice. No, <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that's a good way to do it. Then you don't have any like preconceived notions going into making the work too. Yeah, at least for me. I mean, it works pretty well for me that way but okay cool we'll so see. you you are in downtown downtown yeah los angeles mm-hmm. and you have your studio oh my my wife just came by okay. say hi say hi to kim hi kim hi how are you <laughs> what's happening can you can you pause and then re <laughs> oh my god okay Sorry, we got to pause for a second. Sorry. <laughs> oh my God. I know. Tell me about it. We're back. I'm recording. So yeah, she's talking about first world privilege, but it's it's funny. Speaking of speaking of what's, I should have just kept that going. Speaking of what's that was going funny. on, Mags is trying to order something via Instacart because we're freaked out about going to the store. Uh-huh. So they're like texting her in real time, like, well, we don't have this. We're out of this. So man, it's it's such a crazy world we live in right now. I mean, yeah, you're right. We have the privilege to be able to do this. Um, I'm so thankful for that. I know a lot of people don't have that, but it's mm-hmm. also at the same time, it's crazy mm-hmm. that we're resorting to this at the same time because I've mm-hmm. never used Instacart before. Uh, Gabor, my boyfriend, for the first time ordered uh, food delivery from Amazon, Whole Foods. Oh, and yeah. that, that was like an all day affair trying to sort that. <laughs> and he, it was like, it was like, he's like, I can't believe this. I mean, I know, I know. It's insane. And and right now, I mean, you know, some some companies are obviously thriving right now, like the food industry. Uh-huh. I, I was in I was in Trader Joe's the other day, and the guy said, "I said, oh wow, you guys are really this is like an apocalyptic scene, you know, from a from a zombie movie mm-hmm. or something." He said, "Yeah, we every day we sell out of our stock." He That's said, no, crazy. A, a normal day we do like forty thousand dollars, and we've been selling one hundred and seventy thousand a day. Holy. Shit. Yeah, that right. is crazy to me. I mean, why are people I, like, I get you don't want to go out, but you can go out once a week. I sure, mean, we, sure. there is, we're not going to run out of food in the U S no. I mean, we're not, it's well, going to be like, okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, and, and just like we were talking about earlier, you are, you're also just screwing over the people who can't do it or yes, can't afford to do it. it exactly. It, it drives me crazy. But at the same time, I, I can understand the panic. I know the news also feeds the panic, but all of a yeah. sudden it hits home. Like, I don't know about you, but for me, it was like the other day when they put us on, essentially it's lockdown, but it's, they call uh-huh. it safer at home for those yeah. of you who are not in California. But um, it's essentially a, a lockdown, a, a quarantine of everybody who lives in California, except for essential items like going to the store. But all of a sudden, from one minute to the next, 
it just got really real. Yeah. I know it was real. It was real in like, this sounds weird, but real in an abstract way. You'd hear about the cases on, on TV. You know, you were mindful of that and you were taking precautions, but all of a sudden it just hit close to home. Yeah. You can't leave your house. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you, Mags, for, for ordering our food. Um, Yay. Yes. <laughs> Yay. And, and, uh, and Gabor also. Yes. Um, oh, that just that completely knocked me off, but we'll get back here. So now I wanted to talk to you about, I've been doing this origin story thing because I think of artists kind of like, I think of superheroes. We, we mm-hmm. do the, th- the things that a lot of people can't do or, or are afraid to do. It's, mm-hmm. it's very, I don't know, it, it takes a lot of guts. And like I said to Mike, audacity <laughs> to think that we can do this. And, it does and, actually. Yeah. And so I wanted to know what your origin story was a little bit. What, what got you into the mindset of thinking that you could pursue art uh, as a career? Um, well, okay, that's kind of interesting. So I... Um, Trying to, I'm trying to think about that, like how that was, because there are no, my uncle was an artist, um, but he unfortunately was, um, from the time he was in his early 20s, institutionalized because he was severely schizophrenic. Oh, wow. Um, but he was, he was in art school when he was diagnosed. So I always kind of knew him as an artist and knew his artwork. Right. Uh, but he never made it, he, he couldn't, um, have a career, unfortunately. Um, but that sucks. yeah, uh, there were no other, uh, artists in my family really per se. Um, at least none expressed artists. Right. I was actually, um, from a really early age, I was, uh, a dancer and an actor. So I, I had a little, I had a little note here. I was going to ask you about dancing. I, I heard from a little birdie that you were a dancer. Yeah, yeah. So I started uh, dancing when I was five, and then I started acting when I was uh, in elementary school. Um, oh wow! And in just kind of local uh, local productions. And I, I'm from Kansas City originally. That's what so, I was going to ask. Okay. Yeah, I'm from Kansas City originally. Oh, they have um, they have acting in Kansas City. They do. They do. Wah, wah, wah. They have they have culture in the Midwest. In Kansas I know. City. I'm from Wyoming and Idaho, so that was you, uh, you, you, a joke you know, on me too. <laughs> you, know, you, you know the uh, the, the stereotype. Um, yeah, definitely. But um, so I and I was involved in that my whole life. Um, I always kind of drew uh, just for myself, and I would make things and paint and. I had um, one kind of arts class uh, when I was in elementary school and that was it. Um, But I just kind of always, I always did it. And so I went to college. I studied other things other than acting, um, somewhat more employable things, but my hours were all in theater. Um, (laughs) And then I um, moved here and you know, I hadn't, I wasn't really making art, uh, making visual art per se, but I moved here and I was like, well, what do I need to do something with my life? I was 22. Um, let's learn about filmmaking. I really enjoy kind of visually telling stories. I'm going to get into the camera department. And so I started- Which by the way, I'm sorry, but sorry? That, that that's not, I'm sure your parents weren't like, oh, that's a good fallback. The yeah. film industry. <laughs> Yeah. So this was just kind of always what I, well, it was, it was what I did. I was like, yeah. uh, you know, okay. I was too, at that time, I didn't have the confidence. Um, I, I wanted to work as an actor, but I, I didn't have a confidence to directly pursue it at that time. Okay. Um, so I went into the film industry and the, the technical aspects of it. 
Yeah, as a as a fallback, I guess, which is really fallback. Right, but um, I guess I guess it's more than an actor, right? It's it's way more employable. Uh, yeah, you yeah. know, the technical side of it is way more employable than anything on the creative side of it. Obviously, because I'm still lucky enough to be employed from time to time. Yeah. Um, and so I did that for a few years, and then I missed acting horribly, and I started taking acting classes again. Um, and it was in one of my acting classes. It was a Meisner class for anybody who knows what that is. Um, so it was a Meisner class and I needed an activity. And so I started uh, painting as my activity in this uh, Meisner class. And nice. I just kept doing it. And so I, I hadn't really done any kind of thing uh painting wise or drawing wise since college. And, you know, this was in my mid twenties. So still relatively young. Yeah, and then yeah. I just, I just continued to do it and I continued to teach myself and kind of develop. And I, uh, I, um, I'm not really directly answering your question. How did I decide I wanted to be an artist? I no, just no, kind great. of, okay. I, it's it, not, it, I it can't it's always like, be like an aha moment. Like something hits you on the head while you're walking down the street, you know, and you're like, I'm going to be an artist. Yeah, no, good. it was. Yeah, it wasn't that. It was, and in kind of most of the people that I'm around, I was around musicians and actors, and then as I developed my my painting work, uh, art, uh, visual artists, painters, uh, sculptors, photographers, um, and so it was just That's kind awesome. of the, the reality of it. And so I I started showing my artwork um, at this little restaurant down the street from my acting school. And they, the pieces sold, you know, not for a lot, like a hundred bucks here, 80 bucks there, but every month pieces would sell and I'd have to put new pieces in. So I started doing that. And then I started showing other coffee shops. This was in Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and then I moved downtown in 2002, I think. And that was right before it became, um, the, the gentrified downtown that we know now is before that. So it was still very much, it was artists and a couple other random people who were living down here. Right. So when I did that. Before it was a scene. Yeah, there was no scene. Um, when I moved down here, um, that's when I started uh, really getting to know working artists, working painters, working gallery owners. And so my whole kind of introduction to the art world was through that, um, through Burke Green, who had his gallery here. He's the one who started um, uh, the downtown art walk that kind of exploded into something that he didn't, uh, I actually knew him and when he had his, his space in Los Feliz and was trying to create uh, an art walk there. Um, but then also through other artists and other painters that I met here, uh, Miguel Osana and um, uh, Richard McDowell, LA art core, um, these kind of, there was a lot of community support here. And so I, you know, when I had a question about something like, Oh, where do you get your canvases stretched? Uh, you know, I would go ask them and they would point me in a direction or, you know, what resin do you use? This is, I was doing work with resin and uh, at the time and what, where Back do you get your resin, resin from? Was super popular. Yeah. And so it's like, where do you get your resin, uh, resin work and or where, where, where do you source your resin from? And so, it was very much kind of that old school kind of idea, like what you imagine Paris, the left bank of Paris was um, during its heyday of a whole bunch of artists that I had access to, you know, um, Gronk. Gronk was another big artist. Um, oh, yeah. And he, he was around a lot. You know, Francesco, who had no Paul Press. Um, these were all people who 
were really giving of their knowledge and their you know resources and and helping artists in the community um and then it, it of course became something else but uh, uh, when fitty paldi had his drawing which were mostly drinking but <laughs> there was drawing <laughs> there was some drawing that went on um yeah, you know in, they go in hand his, in hand in his lab. It, you know you know he would have these open drawing classes for all the neighborhood artists and it, so cool. it was great. Yeah, I was very lucky. So I was kind of there at that time. And then that kind of really, I started showing at little places here and there, um, downtown. And um, was the Hive around? Was Nathan Carter oh, yeah, the Hive part was of that there. scene, yeah. right? Yeah, the Hive yeah. was there. Um, yeah. the, Hive, the Hive came a little bit later, um, but the Hive was there. Um, That's cool. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was uh it was a great time and I was really lucky because I kind of learned about the art world through them and that then I was like okay I'm going to you know this is this is what I'm going to do. So But to, but that's a, that's amazing first of all. I mean, I'm jealous because I was always looking for a, a scene too and and being yeah. part of a scene is is so important, you know, to have a community. That's kind of really what is. I wanted to do with this podcast was have a little bit of a community of artists too. But when mm-hmm. I came down here, I think I came down around the same time. It was like 2002. You mm-hmm. might have been here a little earlier than me, but I had no idea about the downtown scene until mm-hmm. until years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. was it kind of insulated? Does it seem like that if you were down there or or maybe I was just insulated? <laughs> maybe I was too isolated. I didn't know about it. Yeah, it was always here. I mean, it was, so I moved to LA in 95, no, 96, I'm sorry, 96. Oh, okay. Um, and so I had... A little bit of exposure downtown from shooting down here, but it was always like a, a ghost ghost town at night. Nobody, right. even though there were people here. Um, Gabor, my boyfriend, he's been here. He's been living downtown for almost twenty five years. Oh, that's so cool. there, there are a lot of people who've been here for a long time in the arts community here um, because you, it was the dream. You could get huge spaces. Nobody cared what you did. Um, and, you know, nobody was down here. It was a little bit insulated because of that, um, because people just were afraid to come. I, even when I moved down, the first few years that I lived down here, people were like, I can't believe you lived there. And I'm like, I, I can, and I'm not telling you because it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. And now it's becoming more gentrified, obviously. Oh, it's great. It's, it's, it's like anywhere else. It's like any other... It, there, Sadly, to me, what was so unique about it is all completely gone. It's, yeah. it's gone. even even though some of the people are still here, a few of them. It, what we were doing, the crazy, the crazy stuff we would do. Like I remember a friend of mine wanted to be a fashion designer, so we're like, "All right, we're going to throw you a fashion show." So we with we didn't need we didn't get permits. We just in an alley in one of these big alleys off of uh, off of Fourth Street, we put together a fashion show just for fun. Just be, just we would just do stuff like that. Oh, that's um, awesome! Was that was, was that a, before the fashion district was like a big deal? Or oh no, that was still the fashion district was still it was still it was still there. The whole okay. fashion district was there. That was that's always been going on. But yeah. um, just we would just do stuff in the streets all the time and in everybody's in people's spaces and their galleries. Like it was a time. It was a real. It was that whole kind of cauldron of creativity that was happening at that time. So, yeah, it reminds um, me of what I know of the abstract expressionist movement here in mm-hmm, New York. You know, mm-hmm. when you had it's like very much like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. had de Kooning yeah. and Pollock and all these people. Yeah. You know, uh, Krasner. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. awesome. I, I really, I wish I would have been a part of that. But now, was, I'm, now I, I'm living vicariously through you. <laughs> it was, you know, it was one of the luckiest, luckiest 
times in my life and to experience that and have been around and a part of that kind of on the fringe because I was, I wasn't, I was establishing myself. I wasn't as established as these other, you know, these other folks. Um, but just to, just to have been a part of that was, it was fantastic. It was great. That's so so amazing. Well, mm -hmm. and and now maybe we can kind of continue that a little bit in, in Hermosa beach. Yeah. And that's kind of the same vibe. That's kind of the same vibe that I feel there, which was like creating for the sake of creating, making art for the sake of making art or for trying to say something or for trying to experiment with something or see where this goes. And it's very much that kind of vibe. It's a supportive vibe. It's not a competitive vibe. Um, And you do get that competitiveness a lot in a lot of places, unfortunately. Um, And it's, it's, it's hard. So it's nice to be around people who are genuinely supportive. It's really great. It's amazing. The only the only drawback is we have to drive. It's not like it's not I like know. you know being a part of the I downtown know. scene where you can just everybody's all around you. We have got to drive like an hour Rest to get there. Co- oh, there you are. There you are. You oh, came yeah. back. You, yeah, you fell out for a minute. There, you're I've back. always been here, Kim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it got creepy. No, um, uh, yeah, Mike, could you move your could you move the gallery closer to us? And then, just come yeah. a little closer, Mike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, that's cool. No, thanks for sharing the the origin story. That's it's funny. It's not it's not too different from mine, actually. I, I was, mm-hmm. I mean, although I wasn't surrounded by uh, artists and musicians and actors, I I did the same thing. I went through all the same mm-hmm. channels, doodling as a kid, mm-hmm. wanting to be an actor. I wanted to be an actor and a stand up comedian and an artist. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do everything. So it, it's cool to hear the same thing from you. What what kind of a uh, what kind of dancing did you do? I did. Um, so I trained a lot in ballet. Um, oh, nice. I tra- trained in ballet. Um, I kind of stopped taking dance classes. I mean, I took like like uh, the random flamenco class, but <laughs> right, right. <laughs> when I was older, but I stopped like really seriously training when I went into college um, because I knew I was never going to uh, have a career as a dancer. Um, you know you that. Just eat, breathe and sleep dancing, right? True. Yeah, true. And, but unfortunately for me, especially kind of because modern dance was not really, or, you know, things like the Heidi Drucker dance company, um, you know, things that like the work that they do now, that was, even though that was happening in the world, that was not really accessible to me as much in Kansas city. So I was right. kind of trained in these traditional ways and I knew that, you know, I would not have a career in those worlds, just the way my feet were formed. Um, right. You know, just the the physical structure of it. So, and and that's also when kind of the acting bug took over, and really, like, really took over. So, so you were the the Renaissance woman, uh, dilettante. Yes, <laughs> dilettante. I like that. I like that better. Okay, so that's awesome. I'm always trying to get a couple little tips and you know tricks for uh, kind of emerging artists at the end here. What mm-hmm. what would you say? Or if you have one, like you have like a secret weapon as an artist or something, a go-to that kind of allows you to excel or, or something that, uh, some sort of habit that you, you do that cultivates your art practice. Do you have any, it could be dietary, it could be working out, it could be anything. Is there something that kind of gets you into that state um, or allows you to kind of work at a peak level as an artist? Well, I have a couple of little tricks I do have like one or two little tricks, but the main thing for me, then this is just a very personal thing is I need unstructured, unscheduled. Um, ah. Like I need, that's why, that's why currently right now, this is fabulous. Like if yeah. I have something, if I have something to do in the afternoon, it's very hard for me to um, get into a space to work 
if I have something to do, you know, because I, my mind will f- go to the um, controllable, the knowable, the, the linear, the, the doable. And so if I had anything, even if it's just like, oh, I need to go do this or do this or do this or make, sometimes even making dinner is enough to, I'm very delicate. Making dinner is enough for me to, <laughs> I'll, I'll, my mind will tend to focus on those easily, those things instead of, I just need, I have nothing to do other than be here. And, uh, and, like and something that, that's tangible, you, you, you'd gravitate towards that. The amount of times that I can check my bank account when I'm working, like just random stupid things. <laughs> like, so for me really, and think that I really need to know this right now, did that check clear or did that check clear? Right, no. right. Um, so for me, it's kind of trying to, knowing myself well enough to know that I need to create that kind of uh, environment as much as possible, which isn't always possible, but. Right. Try and allow myself that, or at least mentally get into that space. So you and then, have to plan. You have to plan for your unstructured periods. Yeah, okay, cool. like like correct. Like I'll go for a run in the morning, and I'll do all that stuff that I need to do, and then from ten a.m. on, it's you know I have nothing to do until dinner. You know, like those kind of things. When when that's possible, because that's not always possible. But um, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that's for me. Also, I read. Um, the two things. One thing is, is if I come and just not to judge how much I work or how well I work, any of these things, but if I work, because sometimes, sometimes for me, that could be, uh, just, you know, putting a background down, like laying, I use a lot of water and I requires a lot of time for things to dry to kind of let things settle. Um, you know, as long as I did something towards it, then I, I feel good about that and allowing myself to feel good about that. Cause sometimes I can work intensely all day and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Right. So to just be like, all right, whatever you do, like make something, do something. And then that's enough. Um, so that's something that I always try and tell myself if I'm struggling or kind of a discipline to keep, to keep with. Um, that's and huge. Then, I mean, m- making sure that you treat it almost like a, a day job. You know, whether you're, yeah. a lot of people are waiting for the inspiration to strike, you know, yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> for the muse, work. it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, work. Doesn't it work. works like when you're first starting, it's like, oh, I'm inspired. But then when yeah. you realize you have to start doing this and cultivating it every day, you, yeah. you have to throw that out the window. Totally. And it's like, yeah. So it's like, you know, get in there just so can't, just so some, some canvases, just do, do yeah. something that way and do right. something towards it. Um, if you don't feel like creating per se then do something to allow yourself to create the platform for you to do that easily um those are you know those are things that i do and then there was something um that i tell myself a lot because a lot of the way that i work and the materials that i work with they're unforgiving the spray paint is notoriously unforgiving yes so oh my god so it's down it's down like you, you can't you're not i can't remember who said this it was somebody like Ellsworth Kelly or, or somebody, it was one of those big, big, big artists. Yeah. And they said they would tell themselves, or maybe it might've even been Picasso. I don't think it was Picasso, but they always would tell themselves, I wish I could attribute the quote correctly. Um, they say that I cannot, there's nothing that I can do that I can't paint over. Right. So, so what that does for me is that kind of alleviates that pressure of making the right mark or of making mistakes. Cause I feel that, you know, I, a lot of times I see a canvas and I want to try something, but I know if I fuck it up, then it's irrevocable, it, you know, and then I try myself that I think of them saying that there's nothing that I can do that I can't paint over. Like, that's great. Just try something. So that's what, 
those are the kind of little things that I. No, that's amazing. And it's yeah. funny because just to further that, as an artist, when you work for decades, you start to amass a, a big body of work, right? And, and yeah. storing those are very difficult. So uh-huh. I, was, I was forced to, at a couple of points in time, to kind of reassess some of my older pieces and which ones I think were working, which ones I wouldn't even show like down the road uh-huh. in a retrospective or something. So I would just kind of paint over certain uh-huh. pieces. Totally. And some stuff that didn't work anymore, it ended up becoming a great like surface texture for me for for a new painting. Absolutely. And it, and it Absolutely. just it just kind of furthers your point of that you're never really done and you can always you can always change things and adapt. Absolutely. Totally. Those are great. Thank you so much. Um, yeah. on the flip side, what about um have you had any like biggest failures or a failure in the art world that um at the time was maybe devastating for you, but you learned a lot from it and and maybe it became something that was a positive in the end. So this is what um, I would say my, the first thing that came to mind when you said that is for me, it's been not using archival materials. Um, Um, So, cause I, again, I'm self-taught. So I'm, and I'm somebody who naturally gravitates towards being in the moment and just wanted to grab whatever and do whatever and not pay any attention to any of the formal rules of the materials that I'm using. And I I don't want to waste my time on that. I'm just going to, I want to create, I want to create, you know, all those things. Right. Um, So in two, two cases, one, I, when I was working with oil, uh, I didn't, I didn't know anything about the proper application of oil, of which there's a big, important chemistry behind it. Yes. And uh, I had sold pieces and a woman contacted uh, the dealer that I was working with at the time and was like, this piece is cracking. Yeah. And that's when I first learned about fat over lean, which is a very basic principle in oil painting. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's a, it, these, are all, these are very embarrassing things, but this is a tendency that I have in myself of just wanting to get in there and make stuff and not pay attention to things. So luckily the woman was very gracious and I was able to fix it. And, you know, the, and I learned a huge lesson from that. But I didn't learn it well enough because later when I was doing a different kind of work um, and I I didn't really know much about the resin work that I was doing, I was having somebody fabricate these large, these huge resin pieces for me. So Because I I couldn't do uh, five foot by five foot pieces in my studio. So I was having them, but I didn't ask them enough questions and they gave me a really great deal. And I, uh, this is great. Oh, wait, one second real quick. Yeah, no worries. Okay, we're back. Problem there. We're um, back. We're back. So uh, I was talking about I was having uh, pieces fabricated and I did not do enough research into the fabricator and the, the materials they were using. Yeah. And um, so I have a series of about four, I have, a, I have almost an entire series of artwork that I cannot sell because the resin coating is yellowing. It's interacting. Yes. It's interacting. Resin does... Anyways, with white, right? as I later found out, and but it's interacting with a very specific white spray paint that I use. Yeah, and it's yellowing. So I invested thousands of dollars thinking I was actually getting a good deal um, in pieces that I w- I won't sell because I I again the archival quality of them I can't predict. So right, I've heard that. I've also heard that with white. I don't know if it's white in general because I was I heard from a resin artist that even like acrylic an acrylic white paint will will do the same thing over time. 
Yeah, this was a this was a spray paint. Um, yeah, and it was a specific spray paint, and it would yellow every every instance where I used it. It would yellow, and How it's heartbreak. It, it was heartbreaking. It didn't take long. It, oh, it was wow. within it was within a year that I I saw this. Oh man, within, yeah, it was within a year, um, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Hip. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. So the lesson I've learned from both of these things um, is even though it goes against my nature of kind of like, fuck it, I can, you know, Basquiat used latex paint, you know, that kind of thing is that if I really, to consider myself a professional and to put something out there that people are going to invest thousands of dollars on, I, it's my responsibility to make sure it's of the highest quality. um, Right. And that it can stand the test of time a bit too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny too, how these things, it's a learning process. Like, for me, I, I use a lot of really thick texture too. And uh-huh. discovering that, you know, the, the change of seasons, like when, when I first started moving up to the valley and we'd get these extreme heat, this extreme heat and then extreme oh, yeah, yeah. cold yeah. at night, yeah. it would start to kind of not crack, but almost like bubble and crease yeah. some of the texture. And sometimes it looks pretty cool, but, but it's the same principle. Like you gotta, you yeah. gotta know your medium a little bit. And, and what it's going to do over time or with the right, because it, really it really does matter. Like these, you know, it's not just about you creating in the moment. It's about what you're giving to your audience. I mean, that's, of course you can argue that, but to me, I, I care about what I'm giving people and yes. I need to, and I, it's my responsibility to ensure that it is of the highest quality. Right. Yeah. And, and if they're paying top dollar for it too, of course. Yeah. And I want them, I, I want them to pay top dollar for yeah, it. So exactly. I'm going to do what I can to help that process. So you, yeah, you want them to know that you're giving them the best product that you can. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's cool. Okay. That's good. Um, and then do you have any advice for, for young Kim? If you were, if you were young Kim right now and you were speaking to your older, wiser uh, cave woman self, <laughs> so so unruly. Um, <laughs> I would say just keep doing it. Just keep doing it, no matter what. Yeah. Just keep, just keep just keep creating. Just keep doing it. Um, yeah, that's that's the only thing. Just keep doing it. It's so true. It's so true. There there are so many things that that have happened in my art career where I thought it was over. I thought mm-hmm. I, I thought I'd made it and I didn't make it, and then mm-hmm. it's just devastating. But you just find that the longer you go. The more things happen, it's never over. And you, I always find, and maybe you do too, even some of these things that, that were devastating at the time, like I wouldn't have them any other way now. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. No, it's, it's, they're all learning experience. Every rejection that I've got, even the now, I was, I was a friend of mine just got a horrible rejection, nasty rejection. Oh, and it, it, it's a horrible. And, it, but people still do them and people get them. And, you know, it's like, now I'm like, I remember I would take that so personally. It helps you. All these things help you because really at the end of the day, it's about you and the work that you're making and all the other things. You develop a way of dealing with those things after time, you know, over time. So all those horrible things um, contribute to kind of a sense of peace now. Like I can be at peace with the world. Yes. Oh my God. (laughs) To a a certain extent. You know what I mean? To a certain extent. Me too. Not always. And of course the rejection still sting and the acceptances still make me feel like I'm a rock star, but um, it's not, it's nothing is as dire as it used to be. No. And also, A, when you get a rejection, it, it's just a sign that you're moving forward, first of all. You're doing the right oh, thing. Yeah. And, yeah, then, yeah. and then B, did you really want to work with this person? 
Yeah, exactly. You know, if they're that nasty to you, exactly. that's, that's coming from a place of unhappiness. So you really don't want exactly. to be working with people like that anyway. I'm getting happy with, with where we're awesome. at, but, but did you, was there anything else like anything you wanted to vent before we go? Obviously we're going to get your, where people can find you, but is there anything else on your mind during these times that you just want to leave us with? Um, stop hoarding. It's going to be all right. <laughs> stop hoarding. We need to get billboards. We need to buy billboard space and just say stop hoarding. <laughs> just stop hoarding y'all right now. Just stop it. Like and there's going to be food yes. and there's going to be toilet paper. Like just y'all, come on. Anyways. Come on. Yeah, we'll get through it. Come on. What I do want to say is I did check out your website and I love you. I did. Yeah. You, I love your surreal stuff. Like I had no <laughs> okay. idea you did that shit. Like that was great. That was oh, crazy. Thank you. Yeah, I was I was in a dark place for many years when I was doing that stuff. Not, and I love it. Like I still will do a, a surrealist piece from time to time or, or a commission. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I just, I don't have the urge. I, I feel like I got all that out of my system or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But thanks for checking it out. I, I totally I'm, did. And your neutrals too. I really like your neutrals. Um, oh, thanks. Yeah, those are really, I haven't seen that work because I the stuff that the stuff that you're putting out now is is different um but I really like the neutral series as well that's really cool oh thank you so much yeah absolutely when we're done with this I'm gonna go over your website I'm gonna link to it first of all so people can find you and then I'm gonna check out your older stuff too uh because I I have a special place in my heart for geometrical work too but um (laughs) but um where can people find you if they want on the on the interwebs so on the interwebs, I uh, come out of my cave and I send smoke signals to Instagram. And yes. I, <laughs> I'm on Instagram. I'm on Instagram. K Y M M Swank. That's me. S W A N K. Right. Yeah. S W A N K. And then um, my website is www.kimkymmswank.com. Awesome. And you're not on Facebook, right? I'm not on Facebook. No, I'm not on Facebook. Good for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another thing I envy you for. No, that's awesome. Well, Instagram and and your website are plenty. So check out Kim Swank's work. It's awesome. Um, I'm going to go check it out too. Check out her older stuff. But um, yeah, thanks so much for doing this. I'm glad we finally got a chance to do it and we were able to do it even with the quarantining. I feel even more like a hero now. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you even more a like a superhero now that we yeah. did this. No. See, there you go. That's it was what great I'm, talking that's what with you, for. Preston. It was great it talking was great to you. Great talking with you. Thank and, you. Yeah, and I look forward to your show and uh seeing you around Shockbox when we're all um when we're all out and about again. Awesome. All right, take care. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye. This has been the Living Artist Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I just want you to know that I appreciate you being here and I'm grateful to be in your ears. Your art and creative life on this planet is meaningful, so thank you for sharing it with me. If you like this podcast, whatever platform you're listening to it on, please subscribe and share it with your friends. You can also leave me a positive review to show your support. This helps me to reach more people with the algorithmic magic and keep the show going strong. If you want to see more of what I do and check out the art that I create, you can visit my website at www.pmsartwork.com or follow me on social media everywhere at PMS Artwork. That's it for now. See you back here next time.